we're starting to see, you know, a lot of parents having to kind of um, combine part-time work or seasonal work, and those types of uh, jobs just don't provide the type of, you know, economic uh, stability um, that a family needs in order to, you know, to stay out of poverty. The uh, uh, survey period 2006 to 2014, uh, that's right through the heart of the housing bubble, the Great Recession, uh, the uh, automotive bankruptcies. Uh, I mean, this report seems to really reflect just how hard Michigan got hit. Absolutely. So, you know, when we look at 2006, you know, that's kind of that generally right before the the Great Recession happened, you know, nationally, we know that, you know, Michigan's recession started well before the, the national one, but we can kind of use that to say, okay, when we take that period of time before things really, you know, got really bad, um, and compare it to this recovery period, we can see that we've left behind many, many kids and families still. Your report also shows a 52% increase in the rate of children living in families uh, that were investigated for child abuse, a 29% increase in the rate of confirmed victims. What caused that? You know, we're not really you know sure exactly what's causing it, but what we can say is that we are clearly not um, putting enough resource and energy into preventing child abuse and neglect from happening. You know, some of it could be tied to poverty. Some of it is tied to not having the resources that we need. Um, we know that there are a lot of programs out there that we're starting to use that could be expanded, you know, like a home visitation program um, where, you know, somebody helps, you know, really strengthen parenting skills and connecting families with the resources that they need. So we know that uh, when we look at the numbers, you can see that, you know, the number of children placed in out-of-home care due to foster care has actually improved. Um, And some of that is probably driven by the fact that, you know, the state has been under a consent decree because of the lawsuit from Children's Rights Group. Um, And so we focus a lot of our attention on the back end of the system, and we know that we're not doing enough clearly to prevent, you know, child abuse um, up front to keep them out of the system to begin with. Where has Michigan seen improvement in child well-being? So we're starting to see an improvement in our um, infant mortality rate. So that rate improved by 10% over this um, this time period. Um, what I think is kind of important to point out that even though we're improving generally, um, we are seeing a reduction and a, a closing of the gaps between um, African-American um, infant mortality rates and uh, the overall rate. Um, but we are starting to see kind of this uptick for Hispanic infant mortality rates and um, American Indian. Um, so that's kind of important for us to, to really be focusing our attention on. Um, and another area that we're, we've done some really good work, and I think it's the result of really focusing some efforts, um, you know, across the country around reducing um, uh, the teen birth rate. So Michigan saw a 23% um, rate decrease in our number of, you know, young people having um, having babies. So that's a really, a really good thing. And like I said earlier, we're seeing fewer kids placed in out-of-home care because of abuse and neglect. Um, and we're also starting to see more students graduating on time from high school. So there are definitely some, you know, some bright spots in the report um, that we can look at. How should we view these numbers in the context of the Flint water crisis and the uncertain future of Detroit schools? You know, those are two, uh, you know, big uh, issues for our state, and they've really, you know, provided us for an opportunity to, uh, it provides us a warning, right, to show us that, you know, we really need to be concentrating our efforts and focusing in on what we can, what we can do. Um, I think that uh, when we look at those examples in particular, um, 
there's been a lot of focus on reducing spending, you know, so much so that in these two instances, basic services like clean water and safe schools have really suffered. Um, so I think that that provides us with that warning, and we really need to be thinking about how we can invest in um, our kids. You make recommendations to that effect to policymakers uh, investing in communities to create, say, neighborhoods and uh, strengthening policies such as the earned income tax credit. What else? You know, really, uh, one of the things that we talk about as a two-generation strategy, um, you know, helping parents is one of the best ways that we can help kids. So um, when we think about how much, you know, child care costs, especially for somebody who's working a full-time minimum wage job, you know, child care consumes about 40% of their income. That's a, that's a big it's a lot, you know, for somebody. So um, really thinking about how we can expand and raise eligibility for subsidized child care to ensure that, you know, we're helping both parents get to work and stay in work, but also providing that early learning experience that young children need to be better prepared for, for kindergarten. Um, and then another area that we're really focusing on is and when we think about in the context of communities and, you know, investing in our communities and kids um, is adequately funding our schools our public schools and targeting um, our resources in those high-need areas. So, you know, increasing the at-risk program funding um, and then making sure that we're providing early interventions and services for kids in school. If Michigan could attract new jobs that paid well, uh, would that help? And what public policies could you support or recommend that would bring jobs here? You know, absolutely. One of the areas that we talk about as far as strengthening policies, you know, for that support work is really um, around workforce development. You know, a lot of the jobs that are coming into the state or uh, are going to require some sort of post-secondary training or credentialing. So ensuring that young people and um, adults have access to those programs, whether it's through adult education or um, other, but really providing it in a context that allows some flexibility for parents to actually be able to attend. So, you know, providing child care so that they can, you know, attend the training or the classes and, you know, pro- having some flexibility in scheduling. So definitely a lot around workforce development and expanding adult education.